what these young bloods have to understand that this game has always been and will always be about buckets. Just attack the basket. Welcome to Buckets, brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network, coming to you from Phoenix, Arizona, in a lovely random Marriott hotel, uh, where I am in town for games three and four of the Suns Nuggets Western Conference Semifinals Series, covering this for the Action Network. Today is our Best Bets episode for Saturday. We'll cover all the games that you need to know about prop sides, totals, all the bets that you need for the Heat and the Knicks as the series shifts to South Beach and Warriors-Lakers as the series shifts to Hollywood in that fantastic... Yeah, I don't think that series is that good. Like, that's the thing. It's very dramatic and intense. I'm not sure the team... I'm still like, these teams are that good. Uh, to go over the lines real quick, the Miami Heat are three and a half point favorites at home versus the Knicks, total 208 and a half. The Lakers are three and a half point favorites, open to two, already up to three and a half versus the Warriors, a total 227 and a half. Do I mean to give best bets today? Sean Little from MSG Networks. You can follow him on Twitter at Chicago Flow, rocking an excellent 1988 NBA Finals hat. If you're watching the show on YouTube, which you can, by the way, or in the Action Network app, which is the best place for you to find our picks, you can track your picks, you can get up to the second information where the bets and money are coming in on, and you can get lots of analysis from folks like Brandon Anderson, NBA Futures Analyst, who also joins me on today's show. Fellow, we'll go around the table, we'll give our best bets, and then we'll circle back and we'll do the cap as always. Sean, let's start with you. What are your best bets for the Saturday slate? RJ Barrett, under 20 and a half points. Over at FanDuel, there's some 110s in the market. Okay. Brandon Anderson, give me your best bets on Saturday's games. Uh, in the early one, I'm going to take Gabe Vincent over two and a half threes. And then in the big one, Lakers, Warriors, let's go. Jordan Poole under 14 and a half points on the road. And then I'm just going to take a classic here. Give me an either team to win by five or less, plus 190. Just lean in. It's a great series. We're having a fun. Let's get a close classic game Saturday night in L.A. All right, we'll get to why as much as I'm like, wow, Brandon, overcomplicating things again. It's actually probably a really smart bet. We'll get to why in just one second, as um, honestly, almost all Brandon's bets are, are really smart. Um, I don't I don't know if there are any I've ever said been like, uh, there's a couple you've had where I've been like, that's a dumb bet. And then you won. So I can't really say that. So I think it's <laughs> pretty much uh, lock solid. Uh, I'm going to take the Miami Heat minus two and a half. Uh, I got minus two and a half. It's minus three and a half in the market. So I'm not going to give a deadline. I, I'm fine laying the three and a half here. I'm going to take the under 227 and a half in Warriors Lakers. I'm going to once again do it. I'll do it again. <laughs> I've done it again. I've done it before. And by God, I'll do it again. So I'll get the uh, under in that game. I'm going to stay away from the total in 208 and a half on Nick's heat. Let's go ahead and give the cap here. Uh, so let's start with, our, with good old RJ Barrett, who, um, you know, look, Sean, the the Cavs making R.J. Barrett look like an actual NBA player um, was just another amongst their many, many failings in that first round series. But then he actually played pretty well in the first two games. He's looked a lot more confident. 
So why are you coming back the other way on the under 20 and a half? Yeah, R.J. Barrett has looked actually sensational the last four games. He's gone over this number in four straight, 24 points, 26, 21, and then 26. The key here is three of those four games have been at Madison Square Garden. He has been thriving off that emotional high, the backing of the crowd. That 21-point game in in the, the four straight over 20 and a half was barely cleared, and that was the road game in Cleveland. Now, he's shooting 54% from the floor in those five. He's been getting to the line. I've been screaming this, and I and I know I'm echoing a lot of Knicks fans and the people of New York. The best version of R.J. Barrett is not jump shooting R.J. Barrett. It's going to the cup, getting to the line. Even though he only shoots in the 70s at the line, that's still the best part of his game, trying to get to the rack, trying to lay it up. He's been knocking down tons of open looks against the Miami Heat. But at the end of the day, I think he's just playing a little bit over his head right now. He's been getting to the line, made eight free throws in game four. That was the second highest this year. He had a couple other times in this season where he hit 10 free throws. But I think he's playing a little bit over his head. RJ's gone under 20 and a half points, 56% of the time this year. I think that's one of this game is going to be one of those times. Also, from following the Knicks very closely, working for MSG, being in the building for almost every game this year, I believe just how the flow and the feeling I have, that this is going to be a big volume game from Julius Randle. He came back from that ankle, cleared to go, played 38 minutes. I believe in this game, in this spot, he's getting up 20, 23, 24 shots. I think RJ takes a hit. I'm going to go under 20 and a half here, going back to Miami. Yeah, I think – I have a hard time, I think, with figuring out what the Knicks are going to do here because, like, the Knicks' offense was really good in the regular season, and it's been trash in the playoffs. Like, even in the Cleveland series, it was really bad. Like, they won that series with defense. Again, good job, Cavs. Um, so, like, I, I think as we – I'm never going to let go. Just not going to let go. Like, I'm going to keep making these digs at the Cavs <laughs> for the rest of the offseason. So, if you're a listener, buckle up because I'm not letting this one go. Uh, it, it, where, where does this rank on the Fred Van Vliet scale? Is this is this Freddie scale or not quite there? <laughs> you know, it's worse than Fred because Fred's a really, really good player, right? Like Fred's <laughs> a really good player who, who shot unreasonably for a three-game stretch. By the way, literally the highest EFG percentage over a three-game stretch in NBA playoff history. That's Fred Van Vliet. Just, just, I looked that up and just literally the highest three-game stretch. Still mad about it. But Rock I'm more mad about the Cavs because like the Cavs like – the Raptors were like a plucky underdog that denied us of the Bucks getting to the finals and probably winning Giannis's first title and cost me a bunch in that series. The the Cavs didn't like the ramifications weren't, but they let this Knicks team advance. And like that's where I'm annoyed. Is I'm like the cat and like the, the Bucks got got beat. So the Cavs had the Cavs had a cakewalk, a, a, a just a cakewalk to a conference finals appearance, and they couldn't beat Jalen Brunson, RJ Barrett. And the Knicks. So yeah, I'm gonna hold on to it for a while. Um, I will say this: like, I don't know Jimmy's status. I think impacts the RJ Barrett thing, right? Because like, not have, having Jimmy 100 to lock in on the defensive end, but the Heat defense is probably going to be better at home. Miami hasn't been better at home this season, though. So I'm really torn on this one. I'm interested to see how it works out. Uh, I'm going to consider this a test case for a future RJ Barrett under in Miami, but we'll see how this one uh, goes. Um, Brandon, in this game, you have chose given Gabe Vincent over two and a half threes. Give me your cap on Gabe Vincent over two and a half threes in this one. Gabe Kobe yeah. Vincent. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. 
Yeah, I'm tiptoeing a little bit into this game. I don't feel great about the Jimmy Butler situation. Obviously, it's Friday lunch as we're taping this, so by the time the game tips, we'll know more. But even still, I'm going to assume Jimmy probably plays, but we don't necessarily know what version of him we'll get. We just don't know. So the one I, I like Gabe Vincent here because I think that it's a bet that I'll like either way, whether Jimmy plays or doesn't or plays but isn't doing a lot. The one thing I know is Gabe Vincent's going to get his shots up. We've been seeing that so far. This was a prop that I had earmarked before the series that I was like, okay, we know the Knicks are going to give up some three-point attempts and Miami's got to find them somewhere. And I liked Gabe. And then here's what we've seen. Five threes in game one, four in game two, 20 plus points, both of those. He's now at 15 or more points, five of their seven games in the playoffs. So if you look at the numbers, the averages are kind of skewed. There was, I think, game three against Milwaukee. Vincent was a complete no-show, which this is game three, so let's not do that again. But if you just throw that game out where basically it was a huge blowout, he didn't do much, he barely played. Other than that, in that series, he averaged 17 points a game. He had 3.8 threes a game in the series. He was just getting the shots up. And I mentioned the five and the four this series. That's important, but so are the number he took each game. He took 12 threes, both games. And honestly... I truly thought this line was going to be three and a half. I thought they'd have to bump it by now after that sort of volume in games one and two. So I'm happy to take the two and a half. Vincent is a better shooter at home. So that helps a little bit as well. It is plus 230 for four threes. The numbers say that that's a good play. I'm probably not going to get too aggressive on escalator. I'll probably just stick with the the standard line here, but I, I can't blame you for adding to that a little bit. I just think he keeps getting the shots up and you get the volume, the shots should fall. Quick note on Jimmy Butler for me really quick. He, if you follow him on social media, he was walking around New York throughout Midtown, kind of strolling around before game two. I think that was the big question mark where was he going to play or not? So there was a very good chance that that he was going to go in game two, ended up not going. He He's wearing Birkenstocks. In at the game, There's, it's not like his leg or ankle is wrapped up. Um, we talk about LeBron. Ba brought up a great point, and we saw it uh, in in goal in San Francisco in Game Two. There's LeBron maybe didn't sit the game out, but it was a low energy spot after the first quarter. Uh, I think there was a real good chance Jimmy could have went in Game Two. Coming in here to Game Three, I know how big of a spot this is. It doesn't look like he's favoring that ankle. He did sprain it, and then finish out that game and the and and the Knicks didn't attack that spot there in game one. So my gut tells me Jimmy Jimmy will go and, and be ready to play here in game three. I think he's gonna be fine. I think he might limp on purpose. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, oh ooh, ooh, bucket, bucket, bucket. Like yeah. that seems very Jimmy. Uh yeah. for the reasons I'm at I'm on heat minus two and a half here. Uh three minus three and a half. Like look, um the the Knicks Look, let's compare it to the other series, right? So the Warriors down 0-1, they come out and they lose the first quarter, but then they get separation and then everybody they have piles on and they blow out the Lakers to the point where the Lakers say, like, fine, no big deal. The Heat definitely were prepared to do that in game two. Like the Heat were 100%. ready to be like, yeah. The Heat were ready to be like, hey, you can have this one. And instead the Knicks just couldn't get separation because they're not very good. And so, like them on the road here. I can't get to this this number of three and a half. Like the, the Heat should be favored by more. And like a lot of this is a question of like, you know, my my numbers don't my numbers make this closer to a pick'em. 
you know, because the Knicks were better all year and the Heat honestly weren't very good at home. I, I do think you got to completely throw out Miami regular season. Um, I don't want to do that because I, I kind of believe that a lot of their problems are are consistent, but like the Heat are more, they operate on these different wavelengths, I think is a better way to, to think about it. And it's one of those, you have to factor that into your cap of like, what does this look like if they're on, you know, the top wavelength, the middle wavelength, or the bottom wavelength. And we honestly haven't seen them play at a bottom wavelength so far in the playoffs. Like they played pretty well game to game. Now, I think they're so shorthanded, it's going to catch up to them at some point. Like, Brandon, is it safe to say we're we're probably going to be smashing against the Heat in the conference finals? Does that sound right to you? Yeah, I mean, I'm looking looking to bet whoever comes out of Boston to Philly in the conference finals. Like that's even, I'm looking to play who I like in that series as the series pick, Yeah, knowing that we're getting whoever comes out on this side here. Yeah, and so, but at the same time, like Miami, I think that that their playoff baseline is still higher than New York's. I think a lot of this is like I'll I'll say this: it's hard for me to figure out how to cap New York right now because they did beat the Cavaliers and they beat them handily. They beat them five games. Like that was a really impressive win, and they're one one in the second round. Um, and I don't want to be too stuck on my priors of like, well, New York's not that really not that good, um, because like they're facing an eight seed. Right. Like this isn't what we have now is is an eighth seed favored by three and a half at home in a one one series. Like, but we're losing to the Bulls with three minutes to go in the play in. There's like a real world where this is none of this is even happening. So, in the the second plan that they already lost to Atlanta in the first (laughs) one, right. The Heat, the Heat may honestly be like the team for the hypotheticals over the last couple of years. Like, what if Jimmy's foot isn't, you know, what if Jimmy's Jimmy's three pointer goes down last year? You know, like there's like a, a lot of these hypotheticals that yeah. that happen, and Bucks fans will say like, what if Giannis um, doesn't get hurt, which I think is an understandable one. Uh, another reason to take this is because I think the Heat win the game, and it's time for the Matt Mitchell stat since 2021. I'm taking post bubble is when I've decided to cap this off. When a team has covered in a game, they are 217 and 22 at 90%. So that includes obviously favorites. So let's just take the dogs. Dogs who have covered are 78% against the spread. Favorites who have covered uh, have also obviously won the game 135 to nothing. I don't know if you know that, Brandon, but if you're a favorite and you cover, you also win the game. Um, So that's obviously like something to keep in mind here is these numbers are, are really ridiculous this season when a team covers the spread 50 and six. And when a team wins the game outright, they are 56 and one at 89% against the spread. That's a 90% hit rate effectively uh, for covering the spread. This is low enough. So I have, I didn't take the Sixers because I was like, I couldn't get behind this line in that game versus in, in game two. Um, versus the Celtics. I was like, this line's still stupid. And it looked smart for about a quarter. And then the Celtics completely blew them out. So, you know, we're going to, I'm going to play the Matt Mitchell line here. I think the Heat win this game, go up to one. And so I'll lay the points with the Heat. And then hey, let, let me jump in. I, I got, I got one more fun bet. I just thought of as we're recording. Okay. You're going to like this one, Matt. I think this is the Matt Moore bet that you're going to want to add this position. Okay. Here's my case. I just thought of this. And of course, I thought of this because it's, this is not really my purview. This is a Matt bet. This is a Saturday afternoon game. We last played on Tuesday. We've been chilling in Miami for a few days. Mm. It's Cinco de Mayo Ooh. Friday night in Miami. <laughs> How about that first half under? What do you think? I like this. 
I like this very much. This is a uh, this is this is a great idea. Let's look at. <laughs> I'm gonna look this up while we're doing this. Uh, Potentially nobody time. in the stands for that game. They might play that game in front of. <laughs> that, in front of that's true. The the fans might be under the Cinco de Mayo hangover too. <laughs> <laughs> they, they might play that game in front of ten thousand in Miami. Um, <laughs> they'll still blame the traffic though. Yeah, yeah, yeah like. This should be, this is that absolutely should be. A... I know we've looked up before, like the noon start. This isn't quite that, or the, I guess the 1 p.m. Eastern. This is a 3.30, but this feels a, uh... this feels ripe for that that hangover under in the first half. You know, that there hasn't been that many early starts in Heat history. There have only been four games in Heat history with an early start in playoff history. No. But in general, LeBron on prime time. <laughs> I guess one of the problems, though, I kind of have is I'm like, which of these teams is more likely to go out? And I kind of feel like it's the Heat. Like, I kind of feel like the Heat are a little <laughs> bit more likely to go out. Yeah. Like, I could just imagine Jimmy, like, having himself a good time on Cinco de Mayo. Uh, interesting cap there. I'm, I'm going to definitely look at that uh, as far as, as how that goes. Although it might actually impact the over because they may not want to run on defense to get back but we'll see in the late game the los angeles lakers take on the golden state warriors fascinating series um i'll talk a little about why i don't know what to do with this one but brandon let's get your cap on jordan pool under 14 and a half points and then we'll hit the lakers one uh lakers warriors either team to win by five or less but let's start with jordan pool under 14 and a half yeah i mean i think we saw in game two one of the important takeaways for me was the the rotation changes and i don't know necessarily how much that's going to hold up for kerr so we see Jamichael Green starts, and that just pays off dividends. He's hitting the threes, spacing the defense out. I thought the real big change there is you've got Vanderbilt out there. You don't really have to guard him. He's not doing anything offensively. So you can hide Jamichael on him. You don't really need that. And then now you got to play five-on-five five defense where the Lakers were playing five-on-four the first game, not really guarding Draymond outside there, not really guarding Peyton when he played. Peyton also didn't play a lot this game. We got... Moses Moody instead of a lot of those minutes. So I kind of think of it as like in the NFL, when you see, you know, a Jalen hurts, a quarterback that can run and suddenly the defense has to play 11 on 11 versus 11 on 10. And it just kind of opens up things. That's what I felt like we saw here and open up the offense. Part of that was playing less pool because they were like, okay, we've got these other shooters. We got Jermichael. He can hit, we got Moody. He can hit. We don't need pool out there. He'll shoot too, but we don't need all the mistakes that come with. We don't need all the fouls and all the all the bad defense that's going to play. So I think just kind of seeing where the rotations went and pool dropped from 30 minutes in game one and obviously hit those six threes. And then in this game, he just plummeted. It was barely even a factor, 16 minutes and three of six, six points for the game. So going off of that and going off of just the road home splits that we've seen in the playoffs pool has been way, way better at home this year and last year. So I like the under 14 and a half. Here's the home road numbers so far last two years. So this playoff and last only counting bench role, he's at 13.3 points a game on the road and it's 16 in the home games. So big three point swing there. And then he's also at uh, 15 or less points in eight of the 11 road games so we need under 15 we need 14 and below but i i like pool to kind of just not be as much of a factor in the series going forward and the fact that this shifts to the road here just makes me like it even better i think my hesitation is that the home road shifts i think is good um i don't know that i can trust Kerr to just yank him the other thing i think that might as a risk factor what if curry picks up two fouls early 
Yeah, that's fair. Right? Like Curry's handsy on defense. That's a, that's the one problem with his defense. Is, is um, it's really funny to me how like like I will continue to say like Steph's not a good defender. Like everyone's like you know he's he's no like Steph's not a good defender. His team covers for him exceptionally well. But what Steph does is he tries, and if you try. That makes you better than most of the other stars in the NBA. <laughs> most of the stars don't try. And, but that's like, that's one of what Steph's weaknesses is like, he tries. So he picks up fouls because he tries. Um, so I'm a little bit concerned about the foul trouble here because you have to think the whistle is going to swing back towards the Lakers. I'm not going to like, I would definitely would not fade you, right? Like, you're much better at props than I am in general. I wouldn't do that as a baseline. And I'm definitely not going to fade you on this one. I do want to talk about the rotation thing that you mentioned, though, because I think that's interesting and it leads me to like potentially a bet because I'm having a hard time with this game. I initially started um, Lakers and then I've like backed off of it. Like I didn't bet it and now I'm like thinking about it and I'm like, I want to wait. So Kevon Looney is, you know, he doesn't start yesterday because he's sick. He only plays 20 minutes in the game, which was <laughs> our, our friend Raheem Palmer of the ringer was not happy with um not thrilled with that he actually only plays 11 minutes in yesterday's game had eight boards in 11 minutes yeah still it's more crazy. rebounds than every laker <laughs> well i'm actually that's one of the things i want to talk about draymond had 11 okay if you come out of that game isn't one of the conclusions and steve kerr is one i think one of the few coaches that we actually can we actually can expect logical rotation consequences like, oh, this isn't that guy's series. He's not going to play as much. Like, I feel like Kerr is less likely to, like, he's the opposite of, well, I don't want to say that person because he got fired and has had a really rough rough week with the death in the family. But, like, he's the opposite of that person. He's very flexible. And because he doesn't have to bench Clay, he doesn't have to bench Clay and he doesn't have to bench Steph. Like, neither one of those guys are enough of, of a liability. Everyone else, he can mess with the minutes, including Draymond. But didn't we come out of that of game two and basically say like the Warriors have got to keep as much shooting on the floor as possible? They have to have four shooters and one big. So Kavon only plays eleven minutes. He and Draymond played one minute together, just one. Yeah. That to me is really interesting. Like if we're going to all spacing, that means that Draymond and Looney are not going to going to cannibalize each other's rebounds. So. Isn't there something we can do here with an overs prop on both Kevon and Draymond in the in this department? Like, I don't think Kevon plays less. I just think he probably splits his minutes with Draymond, and each of them plays like maybe a little bit more together, right? Because Kevon only played eleven, but that's how this kind of works out. Like, does that is there something to be found at least with the idea of four shooters and one of the bigs from a rebounding prop perspective, Brandon? Yeah, I mean, I definitely considered this because this was something we saw last series as well. Draymond gets suspended. They they're forced into and Peyton was out that game as well. So they're forced into the one big and four shooters and it spaced them out. They got the win. And I believe the game after that, I think it was game four. I was like, okay, they found the answer. We're doing this. And then I gotta say, I actually don't trust Kerr to stick with the rotation stuff that we found. I think it takes it takes a little, it takes a couple times every now and then. So I I believe that I actually wanted to, I can't remember how I bet it. I think I wanted to, maybe I think it took a loony under. Or I su- Yeah, I suggested to Jim Turvey and Joe Dallara, I suggested, hey, how about a loony under rebounds in this game? And then I believe he had like 20 rebounds the next game. So that went super well for me. Part of the problem, I, I think loony under would be a way to do this because if he's only playing 11 minutes, 
you're getting less minutes than he's been doing than under rebounds. But the problem is he's apparently Dennis Rodman and rebounds like every shot that goes up. He's genuinely a really good rebounder. Like he's getting great position on these. So I don't think you want to do the loony thing because especially offensive glass, you can do the Moses Malone thing where you rebound, rebound, rebound like three times on the same possession because you keep going up and missing shots. So you can like pad the number real quick. I think if it's anything, I think it's a Draymond rebounding over. Yeah. Um, that, that's or, or even I believe I saw, I think Action Network social account shared, I think Draymond was like 60 to one to lead the game in rebounding in Ooh. game two and that hit for somebody. So maybe you go with that if you think it's another like a softer Anthony Davis game and that Draymond is is the leader there. So I think that would be the angle. I am I, I definitely see that. I, I think that the Warriors found a solution. I just don't personally trust that Steve Kerr found the same solution I think he found and will go to it immediately. Uh, I feel like we've seen before where it takes another couple tries. But yeah, I, I agree. Four shooters, one big. All offense is the way to go. I, I don't think the Lakers have enough offense to keep up with that. I'm not impressed with what LA has done on that end. So I think I think it goes that way. I mean, I think you have to get Jermichael Green a few more minutes as well. He did exactly what you inserted him into the lineup to do. He came in and knocked down shots. He was three of six from three. He had 15 points in 13 minutes. If anybody's going to get a couple couple extra minutes, it's going to be the guy that you looked at to to get a different angle yeah. on the game, and he came in and played extremely well. Also, uh, Windhorst, I was watching this morning, when he brought up Looney being sick, he kind of shrugged at it as in it was like an excuse for him to get sat. So Ooh. take that for what for what it is. Yeah. I'll, I'll try to find the clip. I'll send it through. But he kind of gave the air quotes on Looney was sick, and it was more of an adjustment from Kerr. So I, I would have to imagine Jermichael Green gets more than 13 minutes after the way he played and the the how much better they looked on offense against the Lakers squad that, like B.A. said, doesn't have enough and who's we, we've known struggled on that end. Yeah, the, the bet that I wanted to make with the pool bet here was actually, me being me, a more complicated bet. I can't yet because some of the lines aren't out, but I mentioned this to you guys before we started taping. What I want here is I want a pool under, the one I said, but then I'd love like a Jamichael Green threes over and give me a Moses Moody threes or maybe a rebound. He's playing almost the four for them at times. I want all of that because it's all the same cap. It's the same rotation cap. So if I'm right about one of the parts, I think it all goes together. Right now, there's no Moody and green lines I've seen yet, but we probably will get them closer to tip. So I like playing those together in a same game because I think the same angle hits if you're right, and then you get a better payout. What do you guys think about that? I mean, I like it. Um, I think it's. I think one of the issues though is going to be. You mentioned Kerr. He might stick with the the principle of four shooters, but you don't know who those guys are going to be. Sure. Right, and so that's where that's where you kind of trip up. Um, one more on the rebounds. So, for a same game at Fanduel, the line right now is Draymond eight plus rebounds plus one hundred. Do we think that that goes down if Looney is like cleared and ruled in? Or is this an expectation I mean, that he's going to play? Is like that baked into the line right now? I would imagine think he's going to play, right? Because he played in, he played in game two. Yeah, I I'm not surprised by what you said, Sean. I 
to the point that when when Matt was talking about Looney being out, I literally looked over on my screen at Matt expecting him to put the air quotes when he said Looney was out sick because that that was my interpretation of what I saw yesterday. I felt like that, you know, he, not that anybody lied here, but I think that maybe it was just a very oh convenient God. excuse to, to go a different direction here. And they may be, oh, he's, he's still not feeling quite great okay. for game three, it turns out. Let, let's stick with it and see what happens. Okay, so, but here's my question is, if we can get eight plus on Draymond and Looney on the same game and they split minutes, do we think that they can both get eight plus boards? I mean, they certainly can. They just did, right? Yeah. What, what did Looney have? Did he have eight? Yeah. Yeah, Looney had eight, Draymond had eight. And I mean, m- most of that came in the, the first part of the, I mean, Draymond only played 28 minutes. So, yeah, right. Neither one of them really played the fourth quarter. Yeah, so like, I mean, those I mean, are the only two guys rebounding on that team, right? So, yeah, if, we're definitely it, like, we're paying a minus number on Kavon there, but yeah. I wonder if he doesn't start yeah. if the number I, is still a little bit more appetizing. Well, and you said they only played what? And you said they only played what? One minute together, correct? Right. So, so, Brandon, you think that he might just not play Kavon very much? Well, I mean, we just saw 11 minutes. So, I mean, what, what, what's that probably gets to like 15 if we get a fourth quarter there? Like, yeah. that's just, and let's let's be fair. If, if it's the, if he's the only big out there in 50 minutes, he's still going to have a good chance to get eight or 10 boards. So, maybe that's just enough the way he's rebounding. But to me, anytime where a guy might only get 10 or 15 minutes and, and I'm playing a minus number on eight rebounds like that, the margin is really thin there. Okay. Okay. I mean, let's really quick. Let's believe our eyes, right? They they lost game one. Anthony Davis went absolutely ballistic. He was killing Looney. Looney sits. They get. They look better on offense. He Looney still impacts the game quite a bit. Anthony Davis is an absolute no show. Uh, I I mean, I don't know how much that has to do with the the Looney not playing as many minutes, but for for Kerr to go opposite of how good they looked in game two, uh, in game three would be interesting. But we'll we'll have to see how it shakes. But they looked extremely good in game two with that new wrinkle of Looney playing less minutes, but still impacting the game quite a bit. Uh, I'm taking the two the under two twenty seven and a half again. I'm going to keep going back to this. Now, I probably should have lost Tuesday or Thursday. I probably should have lost that one. I got like lucky with garbage time and going under. Um, I just I will just say this. I I don't believe that these offenses are that good. I really don't. The Warriors offense got going behind like Clay Thompson hitting a bunch. They made a really smart adjustment with Steph becoming playmaker. Like I should have seen that coming. I played Steph points yeah. over. And then as soon as the game started, I was like, oh no, they're having him distribute. Yeah. And it was like a really genius adjustment by the by the Warriors. But I should have seen it coming and just played the points and assist over. Um I still kind of look at this and go, I don't believe in the offense. I just don't. The under in Lakers home games this postseason, uh, including the play in tournament game, are is three and one. So that there's like a little bit of a trend there, obviously not like a huge one. The pace in this series, like the Warriors are still trying to push and the Lakers are still trying to push. I do kind of wonder if the Lakers are gonna be like, we can't run with these guys. Like I think LeBron might reach that point of being like, we're especially now that we're into every other day. Like to me, this seems like we can't run with these guys. We're gonna have to play slower. Um it's possible that Golden State keeps you, but like Golden State on the road has been bad, right? Like now the contrast to this is that the trend of the season has been that the Warriors on the road are a bad defensive team. But in Go- in Sacramento, they actually weren't. Like they lost those games primarily because of their offense. And they actually had did a really good job in terms of half-court defense. So I will go ahead 
and I'll play the under 227 and a half. Brandon, do I need to abandon this? Is this hubris? No, I mean, I think you're just rolling over the money you should have already lost Thursday, really. So you may, <laughs> may as well just put it out there and, and like yeah. if you're all snake eyes again. I do want to ask about the adjustment you said. You call an adjustment on Steph getting getting more assess, be more of a playmaker. Do you think that was a Warriors adjustment? Because my interpretation of that is I felt like that was a Lakers adjustment. And I was confused by it. I, I felt like the Lakers were sending the second guy like right after half court, trying to get it out of his hands. And I was like, but but you defended like you, Vanderbilt was defending him really well. And mm-hmm. they kind of went away from that. Yeah. It felt like to me, the Warriors adjusted to the Lakers adjustment. That was strange. What, how do you, what do you feel about that? So you're not wrong. I think um, a lot of this gets into, I don't think that the, the, the late that the Warriors came in and were like, let's get, now I will say this, the Warriors ran way more pick and roll with Steph in game two than they did in game one. Like, substantially the number of pick and rolls is embarrassing in game one it was one of my big things i took away in the article i wrote on action network which you can read in the app is like you're gonna have to spam pick and roll here and they did that like it was really crazy i watched like the like if you go back and you watch the first quarter of game one steph's like a bystander like he's just like hanging out yeah. and like this is how warriors fans feel all the time and brandon knows this very well being a warriors fan is like he knows like they want Steph like every single time spamming pick and roll and shooting off of the dribble shooting hoops all the time. But like, there's a balance. I think that the Warriors motion offense is really good and successful because it's won four titles, but there's a balance between that and like Steph Curry literally doing nothing but handing the ball off and running a chip screen and just standing there. What, what this is a playoff series versus LeBron. What, what, what are you doing? And so in game two, they spam that action a lot more now you're, but you are right. This is more of a Lakers adjustment. Because I think the Lakers thing was like, hey, Clay might be washed. And if <laughs> Clay can't do anything and Poole can't do anything, Draymond can't do anything, all we got to do is stop Steph. If we make anybody else beat us, we're good. And so they committed more resources to Steph. And then Clay had a night, which he can have. And Moses Moody helped them out. And Draymond was actually fantastic. Like Draymond was like, Draymond to me was honestly the best player in that game. Like Draymond was amazing in that game. Um, no question. I think, it, yeah. Right. And I think that's what Steve Kerr was at home after game one, sipping a red, a glass of red wine and was like, I, I can't keep Looney out here to get fried on D and then no. have all the buckets come from Steph clay and, and Biggins, maybe, you know what I'm saying? He had to, to try to make an adjustment. And I think that's why we saw Jermichael Green come in. Who played really well? Yeah, uh, Andrew Wiggins, three of of eight for eleven points in a uh, massive blowout, plus thirty five in the box score. <laughs> um, so just an interesting kind of caveat there. So okay, we'll see kind of what the adjustments come. I don't necessarily know. Like I think they probably will go back to, to playing Steph more conservatively, um, which is another reason I think that I like the under is if they play the Warriors more balanced and Vando continues to do a good job on Steph. I think the under's got a real shot because I don't know. I'm part of this is I'm I'm betting on if I say like, well, the Warriors are gonna play worse offensively, then like the, the turnaround of that is like, aren't the Lakers gonna play better offensively? But I don't know if they will. I just don't know that again, I don't believe in these offenses. I'll I'll fade it one more time. That's gonna do it for buckets. Thanks for joining us on a Friday going into the weekend. We will be back on Sunday night. It'll be Brandon Anderson. I'm sorry, it'll be Sean. Sean alongside uh, Jim Turvey and Joe DeLera covering your Monday best bets. Um, and then I'll be back on Monday for us to do best bets for Tuesday. We'll do that um, 
on Monday. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to hit us up on Twitter. I'm at HP Basketball. Brandon's at Wheaton Brando, W-H-E-A-T-O-N-B-R-A-N-D-O. He needs to change his handle to something more, more modern. Uh, <laughs> Sean's on Twitter at Chicago Flow. Download the Action Network app. We'll see you guys again on Monday. Have a great weekend. Until then, skip buckets. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.